Well, if you're just joining us today, uh, we're on the front end of a series called The Worry War. And last week, Pastor Brent set up for us a framework for how we're going to operate in this series. That what we're really talking about is how to engage in the battle of things like anxiety, depression, worry. That this is, this is all about, this is a series about dealing with those things. This isn't so much a series about, about worry, it's really a series about warring. Amen? And, and, and how many of you are here today, and you know by experience, uh, maybe you don't know by personal experience, maybe it's someone you know, someone that you love, that as we talk about some of these things, when we talk about these harsh realities, that it really is a battle. Like, this is a real battle. And I don't want to diminish that today. I really don't. And the Bible doesn't diminish it either. But one thing we believe around here, and one thing we know to be true, is that God in his word has also given us uh, the ability to, to equip us and empower us and resources so that not only we have to deal with these battles, but that we can actually win them. How many of you believe that we can win these battles? I believe we can win these battles because this is not a series. Listen, this is not a series for more information. I don't want you to have more information. This is a series about more victory. And I believe that God wants to, wants to pour into our lives today that there can be victory that is won here in this place. When Paul talks about uh, not having anxieties about anything in your life, he's not talking about in the future. He's not talking about, oh, someday when you get to heaven, then you'll have no anxiety, you'll have no worry. No, he's saying you can experience a life with no anxiety now. But this is a very real battle, is it not? Yeah. You with me? This is a real battle that we face. But as we talk about this idea with, of battles, all of us know this to be true, that not all battles are fought the same way. Am I right? Most battles have the same outcome. They have the same goal. And that is one opponent beating the other. There's a winner, there's a loser, right? It's to overcome some sort of resistance, right? Battles are not something that are new to us. Uh, if, we, if we go to the movies, one of the things you'll notice is that almost every plot line in a movie involves some sort of a battle, does it not? There's good versus evil. There's some resistance that people have to go against. Uh, we are accustomed to battles in our life. How many of you watch sports? Sports are basically two teams battling out against each other. Anyone watching the NHL playoffs? Yeah, anyone see the Bruins game the other night? Woo! Uh-oh, that's not good. Uh, we're accustomed to battles, but not all battles are fought the same way. They might all have the same outcome, but they, they, not all, they don't all have the same strategy. For instance, the objective for some battles is to simply overpower your opponent, right? It's the idea of being able to dominate someone in a game. Have you, do anyone remember that game, King of the Hill, growing up as a kid? Yeah, you remember that game? Where the game, where the game is, is you have to actually fight your way to the top of the hill, and then you have to keep yourself on top of the hill, and it's really a game of domination. And the person who usually has the most mu muscles, has the most leverage, who is the strongest, usually came out to be the king of the hill. Now, I was never good at that. Uh, when I was younger, I was a little bit shorter, a little bit more stout, and I was really weak, so people just pushed me down off the hill every time, right? But some battles are fought with a strategy to overpower, to dominate, right? But there are some battles where the strategy is not to overpower. It's a different type of strategy. The outcome is the same. The goal is the same, but the strategy is different. You see, some, some battles require strength, and other battles require stealth, 
For instance, uh, how many of you remember the game Capture the Flag? Best camp game ever, wasn't it? I mean, man, wasn't it like the most thrilling thing was sneaking around your opponent's side, usually under the cover of darkness and stealing that treasure, that flag. Am I right? Like there was nothing more thrilling than that. But there was nothing more that, that would bring more chaos and panic in your life if you were on the other side. That moment where you turned around and saw that your flag was gone. And the battle I want to talk about today is more like that. It's the battle of anxiety. Because here's something I know to be true, and I'm convinced of this. This battle is not fought by someone or something trying to overpower you. If you have anxiety, you do feel like you're overpowered, do you not? It feels like that. But, but anxiety is not so much about something charging at you, but I'm convinced that anxiety is a battle where something has been taken from your life. Because you and I know what it's like to have things like busting into our lives unexpectedly, do we not? It's called pressure. And life is filled with pressure, isn't it? Like there's pressure for raising your family. There's pressure when you go to work. There's pressure in dealing with relationships. There's pressure at home. Life is filled with pressure. We can't really escape pressure. In fact, Jesus talks about this. Jesus in the book of John, John chapter 16. He's about to go to Jerusalem. He's about to die. And he's with his disciples. And he sits them down. And he tells them what is about to happen. He says, guys, listen. We're going to go. I'm going to die on this cross. On the third day, I'm going to rise to the temple again. I'm going to go to my father. But I tell you these things so that you do not worry, is what he says. But his next statement is this. In the world, you will have tribulation. Tribulation in the Bible means pressure. You will have pressure in your life. So before we jump into this war, before we jump into this battle today, there is something you need to understand about God, okay? And it's this. God promises you peace, but he does not promise you the absence of pressure. And because you have pressure in your life, it does not disqualify you from having peace. Actually, I'm going to take this a step further. Pressure is the only way you know you have peace. How do you have peace if everything in your life is always good? You see, some of us spend a great deal of our time trying to get rid of the pressures in our life, thinking that it's going to take our worry away. But anxiety has nothing to do with what's going on outside of me. It has everything to do with what's going on in here unchecked. That I've lost something in here. You see, the Bible describes anxiety not as a life added with, with added pressures, but a life that is actually dissolving of peace. So the real question is, have you lost your peace? I want to talk to you about how to find your peace, but I want to answer this question that we started out with. Why am I anxious? Now, I know that this is an enormous topic in our day. I know, I know that. I know that there's a lot of people that struggle with anxiety and worry. If you looked in this, I looked this past week, uh, there's a statistic out there. This is about one third of North Americans struggle with anxiety on different levels. And I would say as I'm speaking here to all the campuses, there's probably people here today who are struggling with this battle, who are struggling with anxiety. And it is a battle. And not only is it a battle, it's a secret one, is it not? It's a secret battle that you are facing. But my question is, why, why are we anxious? 
Where does this come from in the first place? How did it even get there? Now, I believe something about our society, and it's this, that our society easily contributes to our, to our anxiety. Does, it, does everyone agree with that? That the world that we live in actually propagates and exasperates the anxiety in our lives. You see, for some of us, our anxiety is what we are taking into our lives right now. It's our intake. It's what we're feeding ourselves with. How many of you know that you weren't created to have this buzzing in your back pocket 24-7, right? Like, this, the, the, I've read an article this week that actually said that when you start, like, when you're on your phone all the time and when you're on your apps and when you're on Facebook and you're on Instagram, listen, I'm not coming down against those things. I love those things. I use those things all of the time. But when you're on this, the, the article was saying that it's like, it's like feeding your mind with empty calories, and when you keep feeding your mind with empty calories, just like your stomach, you will become healthy. So it's your intake. And intake is incredibly important. In fact, David talked about this in Psalm 139. Listen to what he says. He says, search me, O God, and know my anxious thoughts. And if there be any wicked way, where? What's it say? In me. This is happening in me. It's our intake. But for some of you, it's not intake, it's actually imbalance. That your life is not in balance. That your life is lopsided, that you have too many weights on one side of the bar. Some of us, our anxiety is, is a result of the fact that we don't know how to say no. How many of us, if we are truly honest with ourselves, if we looked at our lives, that we would see that we are way too open to too many demands. And because of that, we experience an exasperation of anxiety in our life. That's imbalance. And there are lots of reasons that contribute to why we experience anxiety. But I believe that anxiety has a deeper root than that. You see, uh, when Paul talks about being anxious here in Philippians chapter 4, the word anxious means full of care. That's what that means. But it's not just any full of care. It means to be worried. This is the same word that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Matthew, in Matthew 6, Jesus is preaching this sermon to like thousands of people on this big mountain. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. They're not very creative with their sermon titles. But anyways, uh, he's, he's preaching this sermon. And basically, the, the premise of the sermon is that Jesus is teaching the crowd what it means to live within the kingdom of God. And he gets to this place in Matthew chapter 6 where he turns a corner and he comes and he says, Hey, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you wear. But the idea of worry here, and you need to catch this, worry, this is not a worry about what has happened. This is a worry of what might happen. It's, it's about being killed by possibility. It hasn't even happened yet. But it might as well have because it's robbing you like it has. You see, anxiety is that voice in your heart, in your mind, when you are looking ahead that is saying to you, what if? Yeah, you can go there, but what if you lose? Yeah, you can go try to be friends with them, but what if you're not accepted? Yeah, go risk that. You can go risk if you want, but what if you die? It's the idea of what if, what if it, it, is, it is a fear, if I can say it this way, your anxiety is rooted in a fear, but it is the fear of a shadow. 
something you perceive to be there, but it really isn't. I remember as a kid, I struggled with this growing up. Uh, how many of you might be able to remember this or you have kids that struggle with this? Uh, but I remember as a kid, Oftentimes waking up in the middle of the night and I would look over and just the way the light from the hallway would hit my wall, there would be like this shadow and it looked like a person. Do you know what I mean? But it was really like your coat or like your clothes hemmed up on the floor. And so I don't know how many times I would look over in the middle of the night and I would sit there and I'm thinking, oh my word, death is at my door. And I would sit there and I would like, I would literally sit there paralyzed in fear of a shadow. But that's exactly what anxiety is. Anxiety is the fear of something that is in front of you that really isn't there. You see, anxiety is not about your past. It's not. Anxiety is not remorse. It's not guilt. It's not what you did or what you didn't do. And we do have to deal with that in our lives. But anxiety is the fear, is the worry, not of the past. It's actually the worry of the future. It's that voice that comes to you and says, you're not ready yet. You're getting older. But you're not ready yet. You're getting married in three months, but you're not ready yet. Yeah, you're pregnant with your first kid, but you're not ready to be a mom yet. Yes, God did tell you to go do that, but you're not ready to do that yet. Jesus talks about this. He says it's, it's really about the future that anxiety comes into our life. In Matthew 6, he says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. He doesn't say, don't worry about yesterday. Yesterday has come and gone. Yesterday is already in the past. Jesus is saying, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. How many of, that, how many of you know that's true, right? But how many of us are stuck today because our minds are already involved in tomorrow's worries? Like it's today, but you're actually a prisoner of next week. Anxiety doesn't keep you from your past. Anxiety actually keeps you from your destiny. See, it's not your past, it's the future. And you see, here, here's the thing. The enemy knows this about you. The enemy knows that for most of us, that he can't touch your past, your past is already under the blood of Jesus, is it not? That it's been overcome. Many of you have experienced victory over your past. If you don't know any stories about victory of the past, you ought to come out on Tuesday night for Celebrate Recovery because there's stories happening every week of people who are coming, who God is transforming their past. And the enemy knows he can't touch your past, so instead he tries to rob you of your future. He can't get you for, from coming out, but he'll get you from moving forward. And, it's, and what he does is he drops this subtle little lie into our lives. And it's not about you, it's actually about God. And the lie is this. Yeah, God can save you, but he can't keep you. That's why anxiety is so paralyzing. It keeps you in limbo. It keeps you stuck between where you came from and where you're supposed to go. Book of Proverbs chapter 12 says this. It says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Yeah, your, your mind might be racing. Your heart might be racing. You might be pacing the floors throughout the night, but you're not moving forward in life. You're weighed down. You're stuck in a rut. That's anxiety. But what Paul is saying and what, Paul, and what the word of God says is that do not be anxious about anything. What Paul is trying to communicate to us is this. You don't have to live this way. In fact, in Christ, you shouldn't live this way. And I believe this, church, this is what I believe. Victory over anxiety, victory over worry has already happened for us in Jesus Christ. But many of us have not accessed it yet. 
And so I want to talk to you about how to fight this battle. And what Paul does here, it's absolutely amazing. He actually gives us three weapons to fight, to fight against anxiety with. But he also gives us, and these also help us access the peace of God in our lives. You still with me? Okay, there's three of these, and I'm going to go through these. And by the way, something you need to know, all of these weapons require you to speak. You see, anxiety wins when you are silent. But what Paul is saying here is if you want to experience victory, you have to open your mouth. Now, let me, let me preface this because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say. We need to spite, speak when we, when we fight anxiety, but in a different way than just talking about it. Okay, talking about it isn't a bad thing. But if that's all that you do, I promise you it will become counterproductive from victory. And here's why I tell you this. When you talk about something over and over and over and over again, it goes from just a subject matter to something you are agreeing to. You see, Pastor Brent talked about it last week. He said, we need to stop agreeing with the fact that we're victims and start agreeing that we're victors. And so if my mind, if, if I keep continue to talk like a victim, I'll actually continue to live like a victim because whatever my mind believes, the rest of my life is going to follow. And so it's, but it is very important that we speak when we deal with anxiety. But Paul gives us three very specific ways to speak about it. And when you do it, it will unlock victory in your life. I promise you that. And I want to show you what these are. The first one is this. All right, you still with me? You can take some notes. Here you go. Ready? Here's the, here's the first weapon, prayer. Look at verse six. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, Paul says, here's your first weapon, prayer. Prayer is speaking out. Paul is speaking of direction. Let me ask you this question. Who are you speaking your anxiety to? Who are you casting your cares to? You see, what Paul is, is getting at here is that we need to start casting our worry. We need to start casting our anxiety in the right direction. If you're going to live in victory, you have to start speaking your anxiety from the place where victory comes from. Listen, here's something I know to be true. Hear me on this. If you struggle with anxiety, if you want empathy, go talk to your friends. But if you want victory, go talk to God. The Bible says this, Psalm chapter 34, verse 4 says this, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, catch this, and he delivered me from all of my fears. And so what Paul is saying, he's saying, uh, you need to change the direction of where you're taking your anxiety and your worry and fear. I'm, I'm not bringing it to my best friend. I'm not just bringing it to my counselor. And I'm not saying that you don't do that. Those are always good. But some of us need to redirect and change where we, where we are taking our anxiety to. We need to stop taking it from here and we need to start taking it to heaven. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about prayer. And the reason we do this, and I know some of you are saying, well, pastor, I do pray. That's pretty simplistic, right? But here's why you do this. When, when you are anxious, anxious, your life is shaky. And so you've got to take it to God, and God is unshakable. That's why you pray. This is what Jesus is talking about also in Matthew chapter 6. He's going on and he's, he's telling the crowd and he's saying, hey guys, you know, you don't need to worry about your life. You don't need to worry about what to eat. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. And then he drops this right in the middle of, of his teaching and he says this. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, why do you do that? Here's why. Because the kingdom is never in trouble. Never in trouble. 
When you're anxious, don't you feel like you're in trouble? But the kingdom of God is never in trouble. You want to hear something amazing? Our God has never been in a panic. Our God has never been anxious. Our God has never been worried. Our God does not worry about tomorrow. Isn't that an incredible reality, an incredible truth to think about? And what Paul is saying here is that you need to pray. You need to redirect what is going on in your heart and in your mind from here to heaven. I'm going to speak it out, but I'm going to speak it out in the right direction where victory is coming from. That's your first weapon, is to pray. But Paul gives us a second weapon. Here it is. The second weapon is this. It's supplication. Supplication, he says. Look at verse 6. I'll read it again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Now, what is supplication? That sounds like a fun word, right? Supplication is actually in the prayer family, but it is a unique kind of prayer, okay? Supplication actually means to bend. It means to lower. It means to get down. In other words, it's talking about the act of, an act of humility. Supplication is about making myself, lo- myself low and making God high. It's about posture, right? If prayer is about where I, or who I am speaking my anxiety to, supplication is where I'm speaking my anxiety from. Are you with me? And so when we talk about supplication, supplication puts us in a position to actually speak up. This is what Peter's talking about in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says this in verse 6. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. That's supplication. But look at the next statement, he says. Cast all your what? Anxiety on him because he cares for you. What Peter is saying is he's saying, humble yourself, supplicate yourself, get yourself in a posture, get yourself in a place, get yourself in a position so that you can cast your anxiety. But how many of us are nev- never put ourselves in a position to find victory? Now, I'm going to say something, and this isn't going to go down well. This is going to be like a carrot. <laughs> but it's so true, and I need to hear this from time to time in my life too. If some of us gave up our pride, we would give up our problem. Because at the core of anxiety, at the core of worry, is that I still want control of things that God is supposed to have control of. And we are all prone to this. We all have a propensity to want to reach out and say, God, no, I, I, I'm in control. I got this. And God says, no. I was reading a book this, uh, just a couple weeks ago of a pastor by the name of Francis Chan. It's a book called Crazy Love, and he was describing in his ministry at one point that the church was growing and expanding and blowing up, and he just, he went through this season of anxiety and stress, and he writes these words, and I just found them so convicting, but he says this, worry implies that we don't quite trust God is big enough, powerful enough, or loving enough to take care of what's happening in our lives. Stress says the things we are involved in are important enough to merit our impatience, our lack of grace towards others, or our tight grip of control. Listen to this. Both worry and stress reek of arrogance. They declare our tendency to forget that we've been forgiven, that our lives are brief, and that in the context of God's strength, our problems are small indeed. That's supplication. That's why Paul says, hey, I'm not just giving you prayer, but you need supplication. You need to be in that posture to speak up. You need to be in that place to say, this battle is not mine. It belongs to the Lord. 
That's what supplication is. That God actually has a strategy in my life. That I'm okay with the strategy that God has in my life. That I am going to trust the wisdom of God instead of the circumstances that I'm in in this moment. I might not like where I'm at, but I'm trusting that God loves me enough not to hurt me. But he's going to see me through it. He's going to walk me through it. I'm going to trust his plan. I'm going to trust him no matter what happens. I will supplicate myself. I will lower myself to the reality and the truth that God's ways are not my ways and, and, and God's thoughts are not my thoughts. That's what it means to supplicate yourself. You see, some of you here today, some of you who are, who are at our campuses today, you, you may not know this yet. You don't see it yet. Maybe you're blind by your worry. You're stuck in your anxiety. But if you would just supplicate yourself, if you would humble yourself before the Lord, your best days are still to come. It's so true. Some of you are in a season right now, and you know it's difficult and it's really hard, but don't underestimate the season. God never wastes these seasons in our life. I have found by experience, and I know this to be true, that some of the most painful experiences of my life were actually a platform that God was preparing me for to, for a promotion that he wanted to take me in. But if I was just willing, if I was just able to supplicate myself, to lower myself, to humble myself, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, I've given you prayer. That's a weapon against anxiety. I'm gonna give you supplication, but there's a third weapon. And I'm going to give you thanksgiving. I'm going to give you thanksgiving. Look what Paul says. He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Hear me on this. When your anxiety starts to attack you, don't speak about it. Start speaking at it. Start counting your blessings. Start rehearsing all the things that God has done for you. Start recalling all the things that God has already equipped you with. Start, start telling your anxiety who you are in Christ and thanking God for it. You know, sometimes the reason we have anxiety is because we listen to our hearts. But how we get peace is that we need to start talking to our hearts and telling our hearts who we really are in Jesus Christ. David did this. David, David, if you know who David is, David is the greatest king uh, in Israel's history. David was a man after God's own heart. But if you read about his life, this guy was always on the run. He always had people coming after him. The guy lived in caves. People were trying to kill him. Like, if you want to feel better about your own life, read about David's life. Like, you think you have bad anxiety? Look at David's life, right? But look at Psalm 42, verse 11. This is what he says. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Who's, who's he talking to? His soul. He's talking to his heart. He says, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Does that not sound like anxiety? But look what he says next. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. I will give him thanksgiving. I will praise him because he is my salvation and my God. You see, there are a lot of things that your anxiety can fight off, but thankfulness is not one of them. When anxiety attacks, start to be thankful. Start talk, stop, stop, stop talking about it and start talking at it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, I, I promise you, is like a fire that starts to melt away anxiety in your life. Like, I know this to be true. I know this to be true because this was the journey I've been on for the last year and a half of my life. Like some of you may know this and some of you don't know this. Pastor Brent kind of introduced it. But a year and a half ago, I had my first panic attack. And it was terrifying. And it happened on a Sunday morning. It really did. 
Happened at the 11 o'clock service here at King's Church. I was sitting right over there in the back. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it was as if someone took a, a battery charger and stuck it in my back out of nowhere. And I, my heart began to race. I began to sweat. Uh, I began to experience what I thought was a heart attack. Uh, I remember as soon as service was over, I, I beelined out that door. I went home and I called my mom and I said, Mom, I'm calling you to tell you goodbye because I'm dying right now. Like, this is it. And I didn't know what was going on then. I had no idea. I was terrified. I was scared. But it was the beginning of a journey that got worse before it got better. You see, anxiety is a thief. Let's just call it for what it is. And it wants to rob every single part of your life. Anxiety is compounding, is it not? Like when you're anxious, when you're filled with anxiety, you become anxious about your anxiety. Anyone find that? that fear compounds upon fear, it got to the point where I was so terrified to be able to, I, I thought I was going to pass out in front of people. Do you know for a season of my life I couldn't preach? Because of anxiety? It robs you of your life. It tries to take your destiny away from you. Like, do you know how, how humiliating it feels? And you know what it's like, those of you who deal with anxiety. Things that used to be easy to you are all of a sudden almost impossible for you. And because of that, you start to feel ashamed about your life. You start to hear the voice of shame in your head. That's why shame attaches itself to anxiety. Not only are you going down, it makes you feel bad too at the same time. I know what it's like. Some of you might be here today and you're struggling with, with anxiety. You're struggling with this battle and I know exactly what it's like. I know what it's like. I know what this does to your family. Some of you are spouses right now with someone who's going through anxiety and you don't know what to do for them. I know what it's like to have to go to the hospital in the emergency room in the middle of the night. I know what it's like to try to go to bed at night, but you're scared to sleep because you know two o'clock is coming and at two o'clock another panic attack is going to wake you up in your sleep. I know what it's like to experience this pain. I know what it's like to be in the middle of the night and not being able to sleep. There were nights, church, hear me on this. There were nights, church, where the only thing I could do was raise my hands in the air and I would just quote the 23rd Psalm. I would say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. My mind would be racing, but I would just be quoting it over and over and over. I know what this does to you. I know what it does to your family. I know what it does to your confidence. I know what it does to your life. But hear me on this. I know that there's victory. I know that you can overcome this. I know that God is, God's grace is sufficient for these battles. I know that. But something else I learned in this and hear me on this. If you're dealing with this battle of anxiety, this is so important. God's grace does not replace your responsibility either. God's grace actually enables you to become responsible for your soul. And so I found the strength of God's grace actually enabled me to start taking responsibility for my life. And that there was a part of me that said, I have to fight back against this. And so I did. So this is what I did. I, I went to every person I needed to talk to. I, you can't do this alone, by the way. I went to counseling when I needed counseling. I, I confessed things what I needed to confess. I lowered myself when I needed to lower myself. I, I was going to do it. Listen, this is a battle that you have to take responsibility for. No one else can take responsibility for you. It's your mind. 
It's your heart. But I got to tell you something. Things began to shift in my mind and my heart when I started to speak at it with thanksgiving. Because there were some days that, man, I didn't even feel thankful, but I spoke it anyways. I just started speaking the word of God. Some of you say, well, I don't even know what to be thankful for. Listen, you have a weapon right here. There were days I would literally go down and I would drive by the river and I'd open up the word and I would have, I've had all this anxiety in my life and I'd just start reading the word of God and being thankful for it. You have a weapon right here. God has given you a weapon, the logos, the revealed word of God. But God also brings people in your life who have a word to speak to you. It's called the rhema word of God. I found this to be true in my life. Sometimes it's another person. Maybe it's a dream or a vision. This is why this battle has to be fought in the body of Christ if you want to find victory. Because there are people who are around you right now who God has gifted them with the ability to speak into your situation and to speak into your life. And what I found is when I was going through the season, people just started coming out of nowhere and they would speak a word to me and it was exactly what I needed, to, what I needed at the time. Here's something I know and I've discovered. When you start using the weapons God gives you, God will continue to restock your arsenal. When you use the weapons, he will actually keep giving you more that you need so that you will always be sufficient in your time of need. Always. And what God resupplies you with is not the what ifs. What he gives you are what is. It's what is true. This is what Paul's driving at. In Philippians chapter four, verse eight, he says, finally, brothers, listen to his language. He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Whatever is, not whatever if. Whatever is true. You see, God does not promise us a life with the absence of pressure. But he promises us his peace. And Paul says, listen, I'm going to give you prayer as a weapon. I'm going to give you supplication as a weapon. I'm going to give you thanksgiving as, as a weapon. And the next statement, verse 7 is, and it says, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. Peace of God. Do you know the big word there isn't the word peace? The big word there is of. It's not your peace. It's not your mama's peace. It's not the peace of tranquility. It's not the peace of a vacation. You see, some of us think that peace is being in our room with our favorite things, watching our favorite movie. That's not, a, that's not peace. That's just a temporary escape. And everything in this life I have found and everything this world has to offer really is only a temporary escape and it poses itself as peace, but it really is counterfeit. Let me ask you this. How many of us look at a temporary escape and we call it our peace? Like for some of us, this cause of our anxiety is that we've misunderstood what our peace is. We're going after things for our peace that Jesus is supposed to be for us in our lives. And some of it, for some of us, it's food. Some of us, it's, it's 
It's, it's validation from people. For some of us, it's relations, relationship. But what Paul is saying, he says, what God gives you is the peace of God, which passes all understanding. You can't find it in this world. You can't earn it in this world. You can't go buy it. It's not of this world. Some of us are anxious because we keep working for peace. But the gospel, the good news of the gospel is this, church. Jesus has already done the heavy lifting for you. He already has. Like there's a scene just before Jesus goes to the cross. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just the night before he was to go on trial and to be crucified. And the Bible says that he's there and he's praying. He's kneeling down and he's praying. And the Bible says that he's so overcome with grief that he starts to sweat blood. And some of you are saying, well, wait a second, hold on. I thought you said God doesn't worry. God's never anxious. Remember, Jesus is God with a body, right? But he's not anxious in that moment about his life. He's actually anxious in that moment about our life. You see, the good news of of the gospel uh, is this, is that Jesus takes our worry. He takes our anxiety. He takes our fear on and he says, I will take it with me and it will be nailed to the cross with me. I'll take your anxiety in exchange for my peace. That's the good news of the gospel. That's grace. That's the grace of God. Maybe for you today, you're here and you're in the midst of this battle and you thought that coming here today, you were gonna hear me come up here and say, hey, there's some things that you need to remove from your life. Actually, no, there's some things that you need to have added to your life. You need the grace of God in your life. You cannot experience Jesus' peace in your life apart from God's grace. Peace is a direct result of believing and trusting in the grace of God. It's not the hope of all this will go well someday when I meet God face to face. No, grace begins, to, is a guarantee of peace both now and forever in etern- for eternal life. That's what grace is. Grace and peace. That's why the church kept calling, greeting each other that way. Always, we were always in need of grace and peace. And maybe for some of you here today, you've experienced God's grace, but you need some more of his peace in your life. Maybe you're in a season where things have exasperated, things have gotten, have gotten more out of control in your life. There's a small scripture in 1 Peter verse 1, uh, uh, or chapter 1 verse 2, and I love what it says. And maybe this is for you today, but this is what Peter says. He says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Like that word multiplied, it means, to be in, it means to increase. It means to be more. It means to be expanded. He assumes that we never have enough grace and peace in our life. Listen, I don't know about you, but I haven't arrived yet. And there are days where I just, I, God, I need more grace. I need more peace. If there's more coming, there's more, than you can, there's more that you can have. It's called the sustaining grace of God. It is a moment-by-moment grace. It is grace stacked upon grace stacked upon grace. There is a grace for everything. Did you know that? There's a grace for the day when your family member dies. There's a grace when, when, when you've lost something that you know isn't coming back. There's a new grace when what you dreamed of may not come to pass. There is a new grace that what you have hoped for is, is not going to be seen. It is a grace that people seldom understand. It is a grace that you can't produce. It is a grace that is, is going, God gives you when you have nothing left in your life. It is the grace that only, that only you can have in a moment. It is the hope of Christ today. It is the grace that says Jesus is enough in the midst of my anxiety. In 
the midst of my fear, in the midst of my worry. And I'm telling you, church, I have discovered this in my life. My life now has more pressure than it has ever had. Do you realize a year ago, I, I was still going to church here. I haven't even lived in Halifax a year yet. We planted a church. I've had a, I've had a baby. We're seeing our church grow. Last week, this is amazing. Last week, uh, we had the most children ever in one Sunday in our Halifax campus. Things are happening so quickly and so fast. And I've never had more pressure in my life, but I've never had more peace in my life either. And I've learned that as I'm walking through, do I still have struggles? Of course I do. But I know that there is a greater source. There's a greater hope. There is grace upon grace. There's grace upon grace in my life. And I've discovered to be able to not just have it, but I can walk in this grace. That I don't have to live a life with anxiety. I don't have to live a life of of worry. I'm no longer a slave to fear and worry and anxiety because I'm a child of God. And because you're a child of God, you have the right to live in a place of peace. You have a right to his grace. And some of you are here today and you need to be reminded of that. Some of you are struggling today and you're trying to take things out of your life, but what you really need is you need God to move in your life. You need God to deposit grace in your life today. You need need him to deposit peace in your life today. And it is, it is available for you. He's exchanged your anxiety. He's taken, he said, hey, I'll take your anxiety. I'll take everything you worry about. I'll take it in exchange for my peace. How many of you here today need his peace? Question isn't why am I anxious? The question is, where did my peace go? And today at all of our campuses here at the Valley, today is the day It's a new day to walk in victory. Listen, I'm not interested in you just hearing a good sermon or just hearing more information about anxiety. Today is about victory. And I believe that Jesus has overcome this battle. And maybe some of you here today, you need to respond and God is calling you forward. And there's gonna be people here who are gonna do what? They're gonna pray with you. That's one of the weapons. That's where you should start. But it takes something to do that. It takes humbling yourself. It's supplication. That's exactly what Paul talks about. And then there's thanksgiving. You're starting to thank God. Thank you, God, for my life. Thank you, God, for your promises. Thank you, God, for your blessings. Thank you, God, for the provision of my life. And you will soon and you will see anxiety begin to melt away in your life. Amen? Amen. Listen, I want to pray for you. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. We thank you for just a small portion of scripture. We spend all of our time in one place, but it's everything that we need. We thank you, God, that that it is possible to live a life without anxiety, without worry, even though this is a real battle and we know it to be true. It is a battle that does not have any chance against the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that there is victory. There is victory over this. Thank you that you procured it for us on the cross, Lord, that you took it with you and it was nailed on the cross with you, God. We thank you that, that, Lord, we don't have to be slaves anymore, but the power of slavery has been broken over our lives, but we can step into a new freedom, into a new grace, into a new peace, into a new day where we say, hey, this was my past, but now I also have a future. I pray that today some people would get out of the rut that they're in, They're stuck between where they came from and where they're supposed to go. Would you give us new hope today? Would you remind us, God, of the grace that is available to us? 
Empower us, equip us today, Lord, we pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We thank you for the victory. We thank, we, we, we're thankful that, that we are yours, God. We, we love you and we praise you today. And all of God's people said, amen.